Cheech. Hello. Oh. Yeah, you gotta turn the switch on. Hello. Alright. Um, hopefully the battery doesn't die. We got one bar left. Yeah, I know I have a battery in there, and if if the recorder does die, we can steal one from somewhere else. Uh, I just gotta make, let me reposition it so I can pay attention oh shit, to it. Alright, so. Welcome to the Wilderness Law Podcast. My name is Lane, and your name is... Tristan. Tristan. And we are going to talk about conservation once again. This is... I'm going to punch you in the face. I didn't do that. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, but mostly we're going to talk. Hopefully I don't talk too much, or I'm just throwing stuff at you like normal. Yeah, I know. I was going to say something I found, but I found out, but I forgot. About conservation? Well, if you think of it, uh, stop me, and we'll talk about it. There's 350 uses for a Is that what you wanted to talk about? Oh, because you were reading Steve Rinell's book. And they're all, like, what Native Americans used them for, right? Yeah, traditional. Yeah. You know, I'm going to have to turn, because when I turn my head, hopefully I don't make too much mic noise as I do this. When I turn my head to look at you, I turn my head away from my mic, and it's kind of jacking with my levels. I can hear it on the headphones. All right, we have another set of headphones on order, but I don't know if they're actually going to be all that great. Okay, so I have... I wrote down some notes. Uh, first part of this is pretty simple. I don't know if we'll fill up a full hour, although last time I said that, we could have easily gone over an hour on the President podcast. <laughs> we could have done three or more hours on that, probably, if we didn't have to go eat. Okay. I'm going to ask you this question. I don't have a ready answer for this i just because i haven't tried to articulate this for i guess not for any specific reason just uh i just haven't and i wanted to ask you and see and you don't have to answer right away it'd be cool if you gave me an answer right away and then you can change it as we go along uh, not just in this podcast, but just in life and other and future podcasts. Okay, here's the question: What is the value of conservation? Helping the environment stay environment. Use your man voice. Uh, you sound like. Mickey Mouse's wussy cousin. Okay. Uh, Helping certain animals' environment, making their life easier. Okay. All right. And just uh, think about it, and the more you want to adapt that and change it. Um, I'm all ears. Okay. Okay. All right. And we can turn that into a concert 
<sighs> really conversation at some point in the future golly okay all right now do you know off the top of your head sir which conservation groups i am a money given member of i can name two i'm only a member of two so that makes sense i have and that's just out of laziness i haven't joined the others some others okay army f Yep, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. And Wild Turkey Federation? No, I wish. Roosevelt? Yes, sir. Teddy, <coughs> Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Project is the name of it. I would have never been able to say the full name, but... And they're cool, and it's fun. So, like, it's crazy how many of them there are. It's awesome how many of them there are. Um... But anyway, so interesting. Um, so what did the same thing? Yeah. So if you were going to join a conservation group from the many that you the several, let's say, that you know about, what would be the top of your list? RBF. Why? Because uh I think I may be wrong, but the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Project only is like focusing on like saving forested areas, right? They're not really into save into conservation of like uh, animals, right? No, uh, I understand why you're thinking that, uh, and we haven't talked. You and I have not talked about. TRCP that much, but basically, uh, so Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation tries to build and con well, conserve uh, elk habitat, right? National Wild Turkey Federation turkey turkey habitat, and they introduce they have actually introduced a ton of turkeys into places where turkeys have never lived. Trout, ducks, same thing. And BHA, Backcountry Hunters, was it Association, I think? Accomplished. Who, that's uh, one of the ones I definitely want to join. Um, and I'll talk about that here in a second. They're mostly about public lands, right? Like, and hunters and, oh, hunters and anglers. That's what it is, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. And it's for hunting and fishing. It's and but it's more about having the land and the access for hunters and anglers to go to, right? It's and like uh, water access rules. Yeah, so it's like they're not gonna say I'm gonna build elk habitat. They're gonna say I'm gonna build natural lands that just happen to be habitat for these animals, and because. I'm a sport in the interest of sportsmen, right? And uh, uh, so that's BHA. TRCP is kind of the same way. Like TRCP, they don't have a specific focus. They have a general focus. Like they do, they just want to conserve every, you know, wildlife, wild plant life, wild uh, animal life, you know, game, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and rebuilding wetlands is a big thing they're having issues with, which, uh, you know, like Ducks Unlimited, that's a big deal with them. Because, of course, where do ducks like to land? 
wetlands, right? And tr well, trout, trout unlimited would be the same thing. They need higher uh, river levels. So, you know, they're trying to build, and they've done some cool things. So, like, something I'm going to talk about in the second part of this is cedar removal. So, like, juniper, in Texas, we call it juniper cedars. And so juniper removal. The juniper are the trees, like, we we don't really have that many on our property anymore because the previous landowner removed almost all of them. But, you know, we call them cedar trees and we cut branches off to put them in burlap sacks with our hunting clothes for the scent, right? thing about juniper trees is they just suck water. For being a little scrubby, crappy, useless tree, they drink tons more water than other types of trees. So in areas of Wyoming, and uh, I saw Randy Newberg talking about it and some other guys, there's been all these juniper removal projects that have taken decades, but they've successfully extirpated invasive. Junipers are like the the hogs of trees, right? They're just, they're not from most of these areas. They're not native to most of these areas. They were introduced. I have no idea where they came from. But they just destroy the land and specifically the wetlands. So, like, there's areas in Wyoming where they've forcefully extirpated junipers by just taking backhoes and just removing them all. And then coming back next year and seeing where they drop those drop seeds that have turned into sprouts and removing all those without poison, just digging them up and taking them off and burning them, right? <clears throat> and, uh, They, and in those a lot of those areas, it's like river levels that have been low for as long as anybody's been alive, longer than anybody's been alive, are all of a sudden back to where you can see where there were historic water levels. So like rivers that were creeks now, even though you can see where 200 years ago, the water levels had been carving out land, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 feet, depending on where, how big the river. Above that, as far as sea level goes, right? But as far as, you know, if you're a guy that's been living in Wyoming for 60 years, you've always seen it as this little nothing creek. All of a sudden, it's a full river up to that line because that's how much water the junipers were sucking up, right? And um, so, and as far as I know, there are no, I I want to get somebody from Texas Parks and Wildlife and other state agencies in here to talk about that. But as far as I know, I'm not aware of any big initiatives in Texas to get rid of junipers. But I know we have a ton of junipers in Central Texas. That's like uh, Cranville's Gap, you know, where Grandpa Joe used to live. I don't know if you remember, but it was like just thick with juniper. Like that was all you saw. It was like all the hills are 100% covered. It was like for every thousand they juniper. Like one oak tree. Yeah, exactly. And it was dying. Right. And 
Yeah, because they're choking it. They're stealing the water from it. And that's kind of like we're our. That's why the oaks in our neighborhood are susceptible to disease because they're not getting the nutrients they need because all the junipers in the area are stealing everything. Right? But yeah. As far as I know, there aren't any big initiatives. Quit. This right here is where the audio goes through. So when you touch it, yeah. Um. Yeah, I'd, it would be nice to, for there to be some big initiative to remove junipers, but I don't know of one that exists. Who only? Okay. <clears throat> um. All right. So now we talked about the groups. Uh, some of them, anyways. Not all of them. Uh, do you know of any others that you think are cool? Oh, I wanted to talk about joining BHA, which I haven't done yet, but I want to do. And I got to save up money to do it because what I want is a lot. I would love to have a lifetime membership to all of these. But BHA, last I heard, is still running this deal. Do you want, do you remember it? You want to tell, let me hear your version of it, how much you remember. If you become a life member, you get a cool gun. Do you remember what brand? 911? No. 1911. 911's a terrorist attack. 1911. 1911, made by Kimber. All right, so any a lot of people listening to this are probably going to be gun guys, or at least aware of gun nerd stuff like this. Uh, Kimber 1911s are like the Porsche of 1911s. Like, they're just awesome. You know, I was one time, a friend of mine had a Springfield 1911, we were at the gun range, and his, it just sounded like, when you'd rack the slide, it just sounded like closing the old, the rusty trunk of an old, like, Buick from the 40s or something. It just sounded horrible, like just dumping a bucket of nuts and bolts down concrete steps. That's what it sounded like. And uh, And then this lady next to us, she had a 1911, and hers just sounded ninja, just like like clean and badass and we looked she had a Kemper right and uh, I think we found out she was a competitive shooter but Kembers are very expensive they're custom built 1911s and I think they built some more stuff now but that used to be all they built and it was a I remember it was a deal in like the 70s and 80s where uh, drug dealers were the only ones that could afford them, and and so uh, uh, so uh, L.A. SWAT. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know that, but Los Angeles was SWAT team was the first SWAT team on the planet. Right now, almost all cities have them, um, but L.A.'s where it start where that initiative started, and and that's, I'm not the biggest fan of that for other reasons that I'm not going to get into, but I'm not going to pretend that they're not good at what they do, okay? But all they had was uh, 9mm Berettas, right? Like the ones you've seen in movies, the 15-shot 9mm pistol, right? Uh, like the one uh, Mel Gibson uses in Lethal Weapon, uh, the first three lethal weapons anyways. Uh, he switches to a Glock in the fourth one. Stop. 
So they were going up against guys with these custom-built, awesome 45 caliber guns. One of the well, possibly the best automatic pistol ever built. Them, you know, designed by Joseph Browning. Blah blah blah. Long story career. One World War One, sorta. Uh, close enough that it's. I have no problem saying it, at least for fun. Sake. And, uh, I mean, they were, you know, and then so they would basically take down these drug dealers, take their guns away from them, and keep them. And so it turned into, like, tradition that you weren't an awesome police SWAT guy until you had a Kimber that you had appropriated from a drug dealer you took down, right? And now it's turned into you just get a Kimber when you're L.A. SWAT. And they're just supposed to, but yeah, so you get a gun that's probably worth over $1,500 for free when you spend $1,500 to join BHA. It's a deal that they've brokered with Kimbert, and it's pretty cool. And so that's... Why don't you just join the LA SWAT and then like a few months later quit? Me? Not you, but like... It's not the army. You don't get to just join. I don't know. You got to go to police academy. You got to be a cop for a while, and it's still hard to get in. Like, they're pretty elite. Like, anti-terrorist group. I don't know if they still do, but anti-terrorist groups in Europe and other places used to learn, uh, like, home entry procedures and stuff from L.A. SWAT. Like, they would, like, I remember specifically uh, anti-terrorist, military, anti, military level anti-terrorist um, group in Germany hearing about L.A. SWAT having to go to Germany to teach them how to be awesome at what they do. And... Okay, so now here's kind of the big finish finale. Uh, well, we only we've we've been recording this one for 19 minutes, so this is hopefully going to be the bulk of this podcast. Um, so one of the things that I knew I wanted to do with wilderness law. when we started it was especially in the podcast is do a wilderness law fantasy conservation project or conservation initiative right so like Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation will do a controlled burn in an area to reclaim you know get rid of detrimental plant life and reclaim a section of land for elk habitat, right? Or they'll, or like in the 90s when they introduced elk, reintroduced elk to Kentucky, right? That's a project. Or the 
uh, juniper removal. So what I would like to do is build a fantasy conservation project like that, one that's just an idea. And today I want to kind of go over what where we start, right? I got questions I want to ask you and discuss with you. And hopefully this is something over the years or whatever doing this wilderness life. It's just an idea that we develop and develop and develop. And we amend it and we change it and talk about it as much as possible. And you don't turn that fan on. Are you hot? You're not hot? Okay. All right. <clears throat> so... And then maybe one day, if it gets to, if we develop it, the right way, uh, it may be something that could realistically be actually implemented. You know, that'd be cool. Like we could, so, all right. So you and I are doing a conservation project. What kind of animals would you want to focus on building population of? Like if we were writing our mission statement for this conservation project, which, which animals? Antelope. Okay. Pronghorn antelope or African antelope? Pronghorn antelope. Good man. What else? Uh, muskox. Because those were hunted to extinction except on that one island. Mm-hmm. Um. Keep talking. I'm trying to think. You don't, don't, you don't just have to... I mean, yeah, it's good to start with animals that you want to hunt, but don't just think about, you don't have to just think about animals that you want to hunt. I know, this is one of the ones that I haven't thought about hunting, black-tailed deer. Because those are only in, like, the California, Oregon, Washington area, up a little bit into Alaska. And... That's not much land, so. Um. Well. I'm trying to think. Um, okay. So you got big game. What about avian? Uh, birds. What kind of birds? Uh, grouse. Sage grouse. Canadian geese. Ducks. Mm-hmm. I just think ducks are cool. Mm-hmm. And the ribeye in the sky. What are sandhill crane yeah. or something like that? 
Okay. What about predators? Predators? Mountain lions? You think we should conserve mountain lions? Okay. And they're important to the ecosystem. Okay. Because if you took... Here's my idea. If we took mountain lions away, mm-hmm. elk population would boom. Deer population would boom. Causing problems for us. Overpopulation. Overpopulation, we could, and them, they could, herds could have to change their migration patterns through some town or whatever, and that chain, that poses a threat for us and the elk for, with, like, uh, we could, we could hit an elk, and that really messes up your car, and I bet it would hurt a lot, and you could get a lot, like, you could die, and the elk might die, so, or whatever you hit might die, and we also need to, but we need to keep the population low, not like, okay. crazy, any other predators, wolves, so you think we should build habitat for wolves? Yes. Native wolves, not the ones we brought in from Canada. And should we keep wolves managed? Uh, yeah. Like the mountain lions? Okay. Uh, bugs? Um, we need to conserve bees. Is that a good thing? That's the first one you said that's on my list. Bees, and we need to get... Can I say get rid of stuff? What? Like... Oh, yeah, that's next. Okay. After bugs. Um... I'm going to end up probably taking most of these off of the list, uh, but not without talking. We're going to talk about it, and I'm gonna, we're going to talk about why. And you may convince me otherwise in that conversation. That's entirely possible. We need to conserve butterflies. Ah, that's the other one that's on my list. The other only out of, let's see, I listed one, two, three, six or seven, and you listed 11. And those are the two bugs are the only ones. I have some What's other... your sister's favorite butterfly? Monarch? Yeah. That's the one. Uh, that's a big deal with Texas Parks and Wildlife. Is, uh... Well, I'm not just talking about monarchs. I'm talking about all types of butterflies. Because sage grouse eat butterflies. No, oh, nice. Okay. Um, so let's talk about which ones. You want to get. Do you want to not be. On our piece of land, on our project. Oh, um, like the ones that we need to get rid of animals? Yes. Um, we need to get rid of, I forgot the name of the bugs, but they're in like Oregon and stuff. Not Oregon, uh, up in Pennsylvania, and they're just killing trees. There's these bugs that hide in trees and they gnaw through 
they build has nests inside and then they go on the out and they're just killing these trees do you know the name of that bug no i'm just writing detrimental bugs tree killer bugs what else um oh you know what let's go back to animals we want to include what about types of fish oh fish okay um Oh shit, sorry. We need to conserve sharks. On the same land that we're conserving pronghorn. Oh. There you sorry. We need to conserve trout. Um salmon. Catfish, I guess. They don't really need to be conserved. They can go without them. No. Uh, okay, when I talk about it, I'm putting my notes next to yours kind of in the same. So, like, your big game next to my big game. Uh, I'm going to actually steal some of your ideas for because yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know um okay what what other animals would you want to kill would you want to not me think about oh. bad animals Coyotes? 100%? Not 100%, just decrease the population in certain areas. Boars. Okay. Everywhere. What, hogs? Hogs. Yeah. That's something I want to talk about, too, is 100%. Hog. Wild hog extinction. It's not on this podcast, but in future ones. Um... Yeah. Sorry, they just no, you're right. came out. Um, can you think of any other ones? I can't really. Um, I'm, um, I'm oh, you know what? I can think. Well, oh, after fish. Uh, what about plants? Are there specific plants you would want to conserve? We need to conserve, um... I actually don't have any on my list. Probably should, but... Prairie grasses? Because that's habitat for pronghorn and grouse. Mm -hmm. Um, timber? Is that considered plants? Hmm? Timber? Like timber woodlands? Yeah. Think about what animals. Let's say you have ducks. Rice fields. Okay, I'm going to call BS on that in a minute. What? We'll talk about it then. Um. 
you really think of anything else? All right. Okay, so. Here's the couple of problems with your list. So you have pronghorn. Yeah. And you have muskox. Yeah. Them two things don't live anywhere near each other. Oh. <laughs> I think we can scratch off pro- muskox. Muskox. Yeah, as far as I know, they're just up way north. That's a later project. I may be wrong. Yeah, that we could do that as a okay. future one. Okay. Black-tailed deer, those kind of go into the pronghorn habitat, don't they? Yes. Not really, but uh, they live closer than muskox. Uh, so if you had a big enough place. Grizzly bears. And uh, Quit reading my list. What? No, I wasn't. Okay. So here's your, here's your, so pronghorn and blacktail. We're probably going to have to get rid of one because their ranges are so if you're buying it, if you're going to take a buy a piece of land. Yeah. And it's big enough to conserve both pronghorn habitat and blacktail habitat, you would need to buy like three states. Right. Okay, I think we can cross off Blacktail. All right. Uh, sage grouse are good. Pronghorn, sage grouse, octopi, a lot of the same range. Uh, geese were cool. Ducks were cool. Sandhill cranes, I have no idea if they fly over that far west. I know they fly through Texas. Mountain lions, of course, are there. Wolves, of course, are there. Bees, butterflies. Trout and salmon are in that area. Prairie grasses grasses are in that area. Rice or not? Rice are introduced. Oh. So I would say, I know why you're saying that, because For that, the ducks. And the geese, stuff. that draws those. But if you're building, trying to conserve natural habit, natural habitat, you don't want to be planting an agricultural, like a crop, right? You just put back plants that are native to timber. All right. Here's an issue. Almost all of these animals that you and bugs that you've listed, all the bugs are everywhere, so they don't matter. But almost all the animals you've listed are native to the West, where there's tons of public land. Where is there not tons of public land? Here. Right. Texas. So I was thinking if we were to do this, we would focus on Texas. Okay. Right, and then but there's not much like animals we need to conserve in Texas that I know of. Because <sighs> white-tailed deer are doing good. White-tailed deer are doing fine, but it would still be cool to give them a place to go so that they're not running on the roads so much. But you said pronghorns. Pronghorns uh-huh. are an issue here. We do need pronghorn habitat. Only, and we're pronghorn. Wait. The only thing is you can't do pronghorn and deer. You're basically, if you want to do pronghorn, you need to have a place in West Texas. If you want to do deer, you're going to have to have to have to have a 
you're going to have to have a, if I could speak English, <laughs> have to have a place that's like uh, hill country and east, right? Yeah. And unless it's mule deer, but I'm, uh, I don't know enough about mule deer, honestly. And bear. Bear's gonna Stop have... reading my list. I thought that um, was my list. No. Oh. Pronghorn deer. So let's pick one. Okay. But let's talk about how we decide. And this gets into logistics, kind of, or real, real, what's realistic. So where is land cheaper? West Texas or where we're at? Where we're at? Oh, no. It's a lot cheaper in West Texas. Yes. Why is that? Because everybody wants to move to the city and there's not like big yeah, Well, and it's desert out there. There's not, there's a lot of it that's just not hardly habitable, right? And that's pronghorn habitat. Of course, we live closer to deer habitat, so if it was something you and me were running, it would be easier for us to maintain the deer habitat. But pronghorn, we could buy a whole lot more land, or the project could buy a whole not it, This wouldn't be money out of our pro- pockets. This would be money that we raise and whatever. So I'm leaning towards pronghorn. Up, and honestly, until you said it, I wasn't thinking about pronghorn. Um, I was thinking hill country would be where, which would be deer. There's tons of deer in the hill country, but. I'm messing with your mic cord. Okay. So we can do, so let's say pronghorn and let's see where we go from there. Okay. All right. I know Texas Parks and Wildlife, there's a, there's a decent amount of pronghorn in certain parts of West Texas. And then, so what's second on my list, now that I've scratched deer off, is bear, which is what you keep reading on my list because you're... Sneak. What's what's your mind? Um. So grizzly bear, which most people our age think of as non-native to Texas, because there ain't never been no grizzly bears in the past almost hundred years. Which comes down to folks in Texas know how to shoot, right? Uh, two hundred years ago, grizzly bear were prominent in West Texas and were referred to as Mexican brown bears by a lot of Texans, early Texans, who had never seen a grizzly bear before. And didn't and then they were killed out and black bear are also native, technically native to parts of West Texas well, all over Texas. And they got killed out. Uh to where now it's illegal to hunt black bear. It's illegal to hunt grizzly bear too, as far as I know. Um, so if we were to buy a ton of acreage out there and build pronghorn habitat, we would, without even trying, be building bear habitat, which would be, in my opinion, pretty cool. Right. I would love in my lifetime to see the bear population come back in Texas to, to huntable numbers, right? Uh, mountain lion population already has. 
mountain lions in West Texas are kind of an issue in some areas. Turkey, uh, Rio Grande Turkey are native to West Texas, so we'd be building their habitat as well without even trying, which would be awesome. Uh, ducks and Sandhill Crane, I don't know. It'd be cool if they came, but I don't know if they actually migrate through the desert. That's something. Uh, bees, butterflies do uh, live out there. So we would, that those, especially honeybees, that would be a big part of my, to me, that would be a big part of the initiative. Right? And trying to find ways To increase the numbers of honeybees while decreasing the number of Africanized bees, right? They have monarch butterflies, blah, blah, blah. Now let's get into fish. Gar. I don't know the lake situation out west. Um, it would be cool to get a place that's just close enough to the east to where there's a bunch of juniper. Because it would, I would just, as part of this, it would be nice to get rid of juniper in an area of Texas. So I we would this is something we need to research. I'm gonna make that note actually. Where is close enough? Food crumb. Um, what's an area that includes pronghorn habitat and the need to remove juniper? It's the note I am making right now. Uh, but yeah, it'd be cool. Uh, gar, like Texas is the only state that has a decent gar population. There's some in certain pockets in like Alabama and places like that, but they're not like they were a hundred years or hundred, well, two hundred years ago, let's say. And so in Texas, you can get an unlimited amount of regular gar. Where in other states, some other states, it's illegal to pull one out at all. In some states, there's limits on them. Alligator gar. There are still limits. They're like treated like a trophy, like a deer. Like a you know, twelve point buck. That's how they're treated. You're only allowed one alligator guard a day, right? And you and me want to get more and more into bow fishing, and we need more gar to do that. So if we can, can gar? Ooh, my G looks terrible. Looks like you're handwriting. Base. Okay. So, yeah, gar would be a part of mine. And then, as far as things to get rid of, uh, juniper, hogs. Oh, you know what we need to put into the stuff to keep is, uh, 
Pavelina. Yeah. Okay, so now as far as animals to get rid of on our fantasy chunk of land, hogs, cedar, I would say coyotes and wolves, if there are any wolves, there probably aren't any that far south, because uh, there's plenty of wolves. Don't need to worry about wolves. And what animal have we talked about that destroys, that's invasive and destroys pronghorn and grouse habitat? You already said hog, so. You're bigger than a hog. There's some kind of clicking, I don't know what it is. In the audio. Um. Bigger than a hog, and what they do is a bunch of them get together, and they drink entire water sources dry. And you can't remember? It's like a cow, but taller, and they ain't got horns. And I want to eat one. You don't remember? We talked about this a bunch. I know. Horses. Mustangs, specifically. They're a huge problem in parts of the West. Um, you know, people don't, a lot of people don't realize that they're non-native, that horses were brought here by Europeans. Yeah. And they are as destructive in certain parts, of, especially because there's all these, well, we watched that what, unbridled documentary with those Aggies. Unbranded, sorry, you're right. Uh, who, for Aggies, they were good. They seem like good guys. But there's this dumb chick on there that's talking about <sighs> preserving the Mustangs in the West. And I'm like, I love horses. Horses are beautiful. I like being around horses. I've always, like, I hadn't ridden one in years, but I've always liked riding. I like rodeo, I like cowboy stuff, nerd for all that, but we have a huge overpopulation problem on a lot of public lands in the West with Mustangs, and they are, like I said, destroying habitat, and they are proving to have a huge impact on the population of pronghorn and Sooty, sooty grouse? Isn't that what it's called? Some kind of whatever grouse. Sage grouse. Sage grouse, sorry. Yeah. Uh, in certain parts of the way. Like Nevada, it's a, they're a major issue in Nevada. And there's herds of thousands of horses. Uh, just, they, will, they won't just, they'll drink a water source dry. And so the animal, or the, you know, pronghorn will show up. And there will be no water for them, and they'll just start dying off. And the next time it rains, there's so many horses, and the and the horse just have a just naturally horses have a wider range, so they'll move the water when pronghorn just won't. That's just not how they're built, not how they evolved. And that's a big problem. So 
horses getting gone would be a big part of this project for me. Okay, so now that we know, now that we've kind of boiled down animal life that we want to focus on, we that dictates habitat, like what kind of habitat we would want to. So it's like desert and hopefully out in the deserts of West Texas, but close enough to where we're, we can do something about juniper issue, right? Maybe but like maybe we'll investigate and find out there isn't any juniper anywhere near there, and that needs to be another future project, right? Yeah. Um, so now, so where, that that was my next question that has been answered. So the next question is how big? I, in my head, it's just a million acres. It's like just something, you know, I can't fathom. That'd be, because it's a fantasy. We can make it as big as we want. 60 but bajillion acres. That's the thing. Out in parts of Colorado, I mean, there's, was there like 70 million acres or something of public land in Colorado? I'm probably way off, but there's tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions. I think it's tens of millions of acres of public land. And that's, to me, this is something we would be building into a public land hunting opportunity, like a Colorado, a Western-style Twenty thousand acres. It'd have to be bigger than that. We're out in West Texas. Land's cheap. There's tons of it. Let's go with a million. Yeah, I'm saying million acres is a good place for us to start because it's one way or the other. It's way off. It's probably way too much, but that's something we'll figure out the more we investigate. Yeah, it's something that at first, the initiative at first would just be building the habitat, building the populations, and once they're huntable numbers and they need to be maintained, we would start probably one species at a time over the years, you know, doing hunts, right? Or building up access. Western style. Yeah, all right. And, okay, so that is all I wanted to really cover as far as things that we were going to make decisions on. And then I just want to throw, hit you with these. Uh, so the, the the next podcast probably won't be about this project. Um, but... Uh, when we do, uh, eventually one will be. One of the ne- next podcasts will be about the conservation, the Wilderness Law Fantasy Conservation Project is what I'm calling it, super creative. Um, uh, so the next steps that we need to be thinking about, Mr. Tristan, are uh, figure out who we need to talk to in government, figure out who's going to pay for it, and what... So doing a project like this, just like any big project, is basically like starting a company, right? 
And do you know what you do when you start a company, when you're looking for investors? You get a startup. Uh, to, well, that's basically, but what do you, there's a piece of paper that you have to write to get invested. It's a piece of paper that you show. Um, Me and your mother have talked about it a lot with the 8,000 companies she started over the years. A pet? No. Okay. It's, you'll never get there. It's called a business plan. Right. Okay. It's basically a narrative of what you intend to do with this company. How, like, you say, like, if you're starting a taco stand, you'll say, well, I've researched and there's a taco stands in similar areas make this amount of profit. So I project, you know, after considering market share and everything, I could make this amount of profit with this amount of investment, blah, 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 right? So it'd be a, we'd be writing a similar document, business plan, project proposal, something like that, whatever, you, I don't know what you'd call it, but uh, we need to look into that, look into what that would take, and hopefully we can talk to somebody that's either built a project like this you know, some interview them on the podcast or something like that and figure out what kind of stuff, who we talk to and how we talk to them and what we talk to them about and how we build our business plan. Right. All right. So this one is just under an hour. Uh, hopefully that was interesting to some of y'all. I know it was to me. what do you think? It was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I like, yeah, I like our list of aminals. Aminals. Um, someday we're going to have to talk about shooting, shooting. We need to build, finish building my arrows and we need to fix the peep sight on your bow. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. And we you got to be getting to where you're almost strong enough to kill a deer with your bow. And we need to fix my recurve. Uh, we need to get you a bigger recurve. Your, yours is, it's kind of too small for you now. Yeah. Um, okay. Huh? I was going to ask him. No, ask it. We got the time. We haven't hit an hour yet. Um, could I just buy new lens? Longer lens? We can look into that. Uh, I want to say the, even the longer limbs. Uh, you may have the longer limbs already because it's a youth bow. Uh, oh. We'd have to look at it. Um, I don't remember. Yeah, well, that's okay. Let's... Yeah, well, I mean, we can, when you, I do want to, as far as things I want to do, talking about things I want to do with wilderness law, I want to do videos where we, you know, show off stuff like that, talk about, you know, this is how you serve a string, this is how you do that, this is how you do this. Um, we need to figure out the ways we like best how to do that kind of stuff. Um, and we need to set up, set up the new shop. Now that I'm moving my office to that other room off the kitchen instead of the little one. And when your mother wants to make the little one into a podcast studio. It might be cool. Yeah. Uh, it might be difficult to fit, you know, a lot of people in there. Quit it. All right, uh, folks, thank you for listening to Wilderness Law. Um, and... 
have fun listening to Frank Williams's outro music. After you already listened to his intro music at the first, I keep forgetting to give him credit. I wanted to wait until we had a decent audio setup, and we kind of do now. Um, although, hopefully there wasn't a lot of buzzing on this. Because um, I didn't want him to be associated with our crappy mics that are in between his well-put-together music track. Okay, uh, anything you want to say, buddy boy? All right, this is Wilderness Law, this is Lane, and signing off.